Dante! <laughs> Welcome back after an incredibly long hiatus. The longest I, I think we've taken. Yeah, I right? forgot we podcasted. Yeah, like this used to be a show a while ago. Uh, <laughs> this used formally, to be our playground. <laughs> yeah, formerly known as After the Hype. Still kind of After the Hype because, you know, when we feel like doing those sorts of episodes, we're still going to do it. But until then, we're calling ourselves Behind the Hype. Ah. What? What does this mean? Uh, well, if you haven't listened to Venture Bros, where I've been talking a lot about it, or if you didn't listen to the end of last year, basically what it means is that we're retooling the show a little bit. We are still a movie review podcast, but we want to talk more about how the movie got to you than opposed to just the movie itself. Um, by doing that, we will do both the full-blown movie review, but we are going to do it under the idea of, let's focus on one filmmaker. Now, filmmaker can mean many things. It can mean director, writer, actor... Uh, cinematographer, editor, costume designer, pretty much any of the big names that you may or may not know, we're going to do a whole month diving into their career. Uh, so the starting of this is going to be Joe Dante. Because I figured, who better than the quasi-household name-ish sort of guy? Maybe not, but you definitely have seen his movies. People would be like, I think I've heard of him. I think I've heard of him. He did... Yeah, he's that one guy who did the... Wait, hold he did on. The... Which, what did he do again? Gremlins, Gremlins, yeah, I know oh, Joe Dante. One, yeah. Dude, little monster when I movie. looked up on our notes, it says that his birthday was November twenty eighth, nineteen forty six. Thank you. And I just googled that yeah. day, uh, and he is first billed as famous person. Oh, there yeah. you go, the it most says, famous person born on uh-huh. his date. <laughs> it says November twenty eighth, nineteen forty six. It was a Thursday. Thursday. Uh, he's ah, a Sagittarius. Sounds like perfect uh, Joe Dante. The U.S. president was Harry Truman. That makes sense. Famous people born on this day include Joe Dante and Richard J. I don't know the other one, but I know Joe Dante. <laughs> uh, so Joe Dante clearly wins. Joe yeah. Dante wins. Um, so a little bit more about how the show changes from here on out. Uh, Where Have You Been Doing is going to kind of disappear for the most part. Um, we're going to take that section and kind of review... Stuff we don't have time to do a whole episode on. So today, we're going to do kind of a Where Have You Been Doing? Because we have taken a long break. And I'm going to talk about one of his little itty-bitty bit parts in one of his uh, anthology films uh, as my thing. So like we're going to kind of ease into that. Then we're going to do the movie review. The movie review is going to be mostly slated against who we're talking about. So it's going to be a lot about the director this time and his style and that sort of stuff. But also about the movie itself, because that's what we're here for. Uh, and then at the end of it, we're going to review it. Uh, Standard review system. That's not changing because that's still too much fun. Uh, quotes, at least depending on the topic of the month, is going bye-bye. This time it's going to be our funniest moment because Jotan Day is usually a funny guy. Uh, comedy is at least present in most of his movies, even if they aren't a comedy. Um, and then uh, what else? Is that pretty much everything that's changing? Pretty much. It seems to be it, yeah. You, yeah. You, yeah, everything else is pretty much the same. That's why we didn't lose the feed. That's why we didn't change too much. Same people. Um, there might be, there might have been a new theme song that played before this. I don't know if I've done it yet or not. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of new art that John has done that looks beautiful. Uh, yeah, I totally I did it. it. <laughs> yeah, you, you did it. <laughs> huh? 
You did a prototype that I looked at that was really cool looking. And then by today, it might be done depending on if there's time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right? Right? There was totally time. Yeah. Yeah, There was totally time. I love recording before things are finished. (laughs) So if you haven't, uh, haven't been able to tell yet, we're still us, at least. Except now with slightly more research. Just just a little bit. Um, so to begin today's episode, uh, I want to talk just a little bit about Joe himself. Uh, Chewie already mentioned his birth date. So he's, yeah. uh, he's what, 70? He's 73 years. 73 years young. Two months and three days old. Wow. Is, days young. He is classified as a baby boomer. Ooh. Okay, boomer. Quite the spring uh, chicken. Okay, Dante boomer. <laughs> uh, Chinese Zodiac is a dog. And again, he's a Sagittarius. He is. Uh, he is known for, um, primarily known for being a director. I'm going to turn off my phone uh, again. We're still us. Uh, primarily known for being a director. Has directed over 40 things, including 18 movies and or segments of movies. Like I mentioned, he's really into his horror anthologies. Uh, he did a uh, part of the Twilight Zone movie. He did a thing called uh, what is it? Women of Mars. Amazon Women Amazon of Mars. Amazon Women of Mars. It's um, another anthology type thing. Yeah, and then he had one. I think last year he did a segment of. Uh, then did many, many TV shows. Uh, he originally wanted to be a cartoonist, which makes a lot of sense when you see his sense of humor. Uh, he lists Chuck Jones as one of his main influences. Again, makes Again, a lot yeah. of sense. Makes a lot um, of sense, yep. And then you look at like the main guy who gave him his career, who has a lot to do with today's movie, Roger Corman. Again, makes a lot of sense. Like Everything about I know about Joe Dante and seeing like who his influences and the people who got him where he's go- to be, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that all... That all adds up. The At no point are you like, did out. we miss a step? Which we will get to the when we get to people like that, it will happen. Like there's one person in particular that I'm very excited to talk about. That Chewie is the main reason we will talk about her when we get to her. <laughs> that there is a big old kink in her armor. That will be the first episode that we discuss. Uh, I believe that's going to be April. Is it's what not I'm a thinking. Kink. No, it's an amazing it's movie. It's the first link. <laughs> In her chainmail. <laughs> we'll, we'll get Guys, to her. I'm not going to say anything much. else about her. This is Joe Dante month. Mm. Um, yeah. And then uh, I wanted to ask. So I've obviously, I'm probably, I'm guessing around the quote unquote table, uh, the biggest Joe Dante fan. I've been a fan of Joe Dante a long time. He's never been one of those like, what was his name again for me? Because I'm such a huge fan of Gremlins. I always know Joe Dante. Um, but even a former co-host of our show, Ryan, reached out to me when I told him about the retooling of the show. And he's like, it's cool you guys are starting with like an unknown person. I'm like, Joe Dante's known. He's like, I don't. I mean, I, know, I looked him up. I knew who he was, but I don't know him off the top of my head. So where are you guys at? Like, how was your knowledge of Joe Dante before I said, this is the guy we're covering for month one? I knew he existed. Okay. Uh, it. I didn't realize for a long time that I liked him because of Predator. Took me a little bit to... Predator. Didn't he write Predator? That's Shane Black. I get him and Shane Black mixed up. Okay. <laughs> they both have odd sense of humor. Yeah. I'll give you that much. Okay. So, now I feel a little bit bad. <laughs> okay, so there's Very Chewie's... casual. <laughs> there's Chewie's <laughs> exposure to Joe Dante. And I'm guessing, John, from the very little you're about to say, you're pretty much in the same ballpark? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was okay. Gremlins, well, but I had to be reminded... The thing is, he made things that I loved. One thing I loved when I was younger, which was Explorers. Yep. Not as good as an adult rewatch. No, that, that is not on our uh, list to cover this month. I saw Amazon Women on the Moon once when I was younger because it was on television. 
And as I watched it, I was like, what the frick frack is this? <laughs> I think we did like a few of them in there. That's the one I'll but talk about. The now. whole thing is it's nuts balls. And I had heard of a lot of his movies and he did scar me for quite a long time of my life with gremlins because I saw it when I was too young. Sure. I didn't realize it was supposed to be a comedy till I was in my 20s <laughs> when someone told me it was a comedy. And I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> it was horrifying. <laughs> no, my little gizmo. <laughs> You're supposed okay, to laugh well. at this? Oh, no. <laughs> well, when you're three or four or whatever it was, it's not so pleasant. Gremlins is on our list to cover this month. Gremlins 2, to yeah. be specific. We'll get to the list at the end of the episode. Uh, but, John, did you have any movie of his that was like, even though you might not be the most familiar with him and his work, that you always know is like, oh, yeah, that's the Joe Dante movie? Apart from Gremlins, um, let me see here. I know a lot of people have The Howling. Like, that's one that a lot of people remember him from. Yeah, that sadly is on my blind spot. It's been oh, okay. kind of on there like to watch, but haven't quite got to there. Um, I think you wrote it down somewhere here. Didn't you say like Small Soldiers or was that something yeah, else? Yeah, he did Small Soldiers. Yeah, I saw that one. I thought that one was like really funny. And yeah. when I saw that pop up in our little notes here, I was like, oh, he did that. That's really what it ends up being is like, oh, Joe Dante did this. So everything yeah, I've seen of his, I've enjoyed, but I just for some reason haven't seen enough. Or haven't seen, yeah, I haven't really seen enough to have it stick. Fair enough. So over the course of this month, you'll get uh, you'll get far more acquainted with Joe Dante, which will be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited. So let's do a very quick kind of where have you been doing-esque thing before we dive into the movie of today. And I have something that's actually more on brand with our new show. Uh, but I want to give you guys just a chance to like, we've been gone for a long time. Like what's something that you saw over this very long break? That you'd either, you know, like like our old-fashioned, where have you been doing? Like, like what, what's something you've done that's great? Well, while I was cleaning our apartment oh, after Christmas... I said, what's great? What's great? Well, <laughs> I went on a great little binge of rom-com movies. Oh, okay. I saw The Lake House. I saw... What's the, the bride one? Uh, runaway bride run no not runaway bride my best my friend's best wedding, wedding and oh, nice. uh morning glory Ooh. out of those three i would say morning glory was the most enjoyable one for me mm. uh, that's uh rachel mcadams harrison ford and um i don't understand why anyone likes my best friend's wedding <laughs> <laughs> none of you nice. could see the intensity in chewy's eyes when she said that but it was very intense it is <laughs> It's so unpleasant. <laughs> the only pleasant person in that movie is Cameron Diaz, right? Cameron Diaz and the gay best friend. Yeah. Because they're the only ones that are like genuine about what's going on. They're not bad, horrible people. Well, the guy in the center of it's not a horrible person, but he is a big old dumbass. You can't <laughs> tell what's going on. He seems like he's just kind of blind to people's motivations around him so i don't know how well his marriage is gonna go it's gonna go great and he's it's a movie from the 90s everything went great in the 90s yeah. john what about you uh so i did a i saw a few things watched a few things read a few things but uh the ones that stood out to me would be knives out i watched that just at the turn of the year and then i went and read murder on the orient express right after and i had a really good time with both um I didn't really realize I liked the whodunit as much as I did. 
And then after watching Knives Out and really just enjoying every part of it, yeah, I had to get on that mystery bandwagon and start reading that. And I've You've realized seen that Clue, right? I, I've seen Clue, yes. Okay, uh, so, and I really enjoyed that too. But and I also realized too, like that's part of what I enjoyed about reading the Sookie Stackhouse books is that every book was a mystery, and that author was originally a mystery writer before doing the vampire thing. So, yeah, no, the the clues for me were there. I just, you know, had the aha moment after I saw the movie. And, uh, yeah, that's really the one that stood out. There were a lot of other things I did, and there was one movie I watched that I really hated. But other than that, and I won't call it by name or anything. It just had... I will. It's Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Uh. yeah, that was a garbage, garbage (laughs) thing. It made me angry. I got got visibly upset after that. Yeah, I, I was basically inconsolable after watching that. Which I've never been after pretty much any movie, but you know, a couple, whatever. Nine a couple days ago, I had a dream. A couple days ago, I had a dream that they made another movie to fix it, and I was really happy about that. <laughs> I'll never be happy about it because that's all this movie was was to fix the last fucking one. And my God, they don't know what they were doing. Thank God they're done-ish. Um, but I'll, I'll, uh, don't yeah. worry. Then you got to see cats. Oh my God. If I was going to do a way of you been doing today instead of the thing I am going to talk about, it would have been Cats because Cats is a masterpiece. Yeah. Masterpiece. And that's all I'm going to say. Meow. <laughs> a meowsterpiece. <laughs> and I just swooshed into the air yeah. like a sexy cat that they call a ginger at some point. It Masterpiece. <laughs> um... But, okay, so going back into the Joe Dante land, the thing that I'll talk about, and something we're going to try to do moving forward, instead of where we've been doing, we're going to do reviews of other pieces that we're not spending a whole day on. And for me, I'm taking uh, the French ventriloquist dummy, which is a short excerpt out of the women, Amazon Women on the Moon DVD extras. <laughs> so I'm going real deep on this one. Oh, this wow. This was a yeah. sketch that they, uh, they removed from the actual movie. Um, it was in the TV cut, and it was on DVD. Uh, and it is also on YouTube, which is where I very fortunately found it. Um, and I think if you can find it, uh, if you just search Amazon Women on the Moon Ventriloquist, you'll find it. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's all of five minutes. Uh, it is very much Joe Dante's sense of humor, which is this sort of dry, but also kind of cartoony. And it just nails that. So the the, the bit is, is that Dick Miller, who uh, we'll, we're going to probably see a lot of this month because he and Joe Dante are really good friends. Um, Dick Miller plays a ventriloquist who went to a ventriloquist com commune party thing and he switched dumpy dummies with a french ventriloquist totally by accident and now they have a language barrier so he's sitting on stage trying to get the (laughs) the dummy to do his jokes but the dummy only speaks french and they just can't see eye to eye (laughs) so he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry folks i just can't do it and a woman stands up she's like i think i can help i happen to have a translator dummy with me right now they bring the translator dummy up and they speak French to the one, then English back and forth. And it's just very dry. Like I, can't, I need to express how dry it is. Like It's all played very matter-of-fact, but it's this ludicrous situation that just makes no sense. And it was, like I said, five minutes short. I think it's totally worthwhile. I think Joe Dante did. Joe Dante and Dick Miller did a great job with it. This is the weirdest language barrier film ever. <laughs> and that was like so, just a segment in the Amazon Women on the Moon? It's the Amazon like one of the movie is a because uh, we're not going to do a full episode on it. It's a it's an anthology, so it's just a whole bunch of comedic oh, shorts, it. just like very short, just like rapid fire. Like uh, okay, it's when everyone was trying to be Kentucky Fried Movie and they just couldn't quite do it. 
I've never seen that. Uh, that's all that is just boom, 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 boom. So you're going to like some of it, you're going to hate some of it, but it's fine. They try to do it again with movie 43 and miss the mark by a bazillion miles. Yeah, that movie was not enjoyable. No, it was, yeah, uh, no, it was that's every review I read about that. <laughs> it's like, how is this physically hurting me? But it is bad movie, bad movie. Um, Amazon Woman the Moon from the one segment that I saw that's not technically in the movie, I liked it. <laughs> so <laughs> take that for an endorsement, if you will. I think um, Joe Dante would love that endorsement, actually. I think he would. I think he'd appreciate it. Uh, let's move into today's movie. So today we're going all the way back, the very beginning of his career, his first directing credit, kind of. Um, he shared it with somebody else, which is why I say kind of. Uh, Hollywood Boulevard. This is a movie that is... Uh, I'll even do a quick breakdown for it, and then, then we'll jump into it. So this is a movie that basically is kind of sending up, but also paying homage to, but also having very strong commentary on the B-movie genre of the 70s, late 70s, that sort of thing. Um, it does so with like a, a woman who comes to Hollywood to be a star, gets roped into crazy shenanigans, ends up working for like the worst film company that makes a movie a week and can't afford anything, but just keeps pumping them out, uh, doesn't care if people die on their set. Uh, slowly but surely, she, she makes her way into the company. They do great. They go out to movies. People start literally getting picked off by a serial killer. And then she finds out that it's her boyfriend, but it's not. It's also the star of the movie. And we don't really ever wrap any of that stuff up um, because that's a B movie for you. And then it just kind of ends. <laughs> yeah. I actually kind of liked it, though. Is oh, that yeah. weird? I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a fun movie. And, like, there's there's things in it that... Especially being the first one out of the gate, I wouldn't expect this this much Joe Dante to be there. Like, because I've seen Piranha, which is technically what he did after this, and that doesn't really feel like a Joe Dante movie. This still feels like a Joe Dante movie. Like, just right out of the gate with the whole uh, action sequence of the the parachuters coming out of the plane and flying, and they're filming it for this big stunt sequence, and like, oh, her shoot's not opening up. Nope. Nope. Keep filming. Nope. <laughs> and you Keep hear filming. her screaming. You just hear her screaming and then just thump. And they cut to where she landed and it's like a cartoon cutout into the ground of just spread eagle just. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, so this is what we're watching. <clears throat> oh, well, that's unfortunate. Ah, we'll get another one. They're a dime a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the B-movie world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect because, again, it was that a lot of that, oh, Joe Dante, he did this. So, really, the skydiving scene cued it in for me. I knew it was, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew it was trying to be, it was going to be a, a comedy, I, you know, just based off the little blurb when I uh, fired it up on the on the Amazons. But I think seeing that hole in the ground was the first like I was like where it snapped for me. I was like, oh, Joe Dante. Okay, I get it. And I started to recall stuff from Gremlins, and. From there, I was just in the right headspace for everything else in this movie. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, it, it, there was a lot of rough around the edges-ness to it. But then I read up on it, too, to realize, like, we're just making this as cheap as possible. Yeah, when you start digging into how this was made, it's like, wait, what? The movie was yeah, made it, on a it, bet. It was made on a bet. And they used all sorts of Corman movies interspersed in Because there were times in this movie, too, where I was like, hey, wait a minute. I feel like I've seen some of Wait, these scenes before. Isn't this no, just can't Death be, can't Race be. right now? Yeah, like that's it his... really, it was just Death Race for a little bit there. 
Like it helped that one of the actors was also in Death Race. Yeah. <laughs> just you're we're just gonna use the same footage. <laughs> That's the costume you wore in that movie too. Uh, yeah, but and then just every moment afterwards, it it was so fun. It was like I didn't know what I was gonna get, but I got something really funny each time. I don't know. But here's the thing, and uh, I didn't mean to dive into this as early as we're going to, but you know, when, if the shoe fits, as fun and stupid and willing to make fun of itself as the movie is, it also takes really hard swings at both like the people who make these movies and the movies themselves, and then just people. Like, really hard swings. Um, the people who make these movies are basically how they just treat their entire crew like cattle and they're disposable. Um, very, just blatantly said so many times. Um, but then the way it handles rape. Like, there's, what, technically two rape scenes in it. Three if you count them watching her rape scene later. Because it's part of the movie. She gets raped in the movie and then the people fake raping her really want to rape her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watch that scene again on screen later. So I'm not sure if I'd count that or not, but either way, it's still there. So we probably should. Um, and then while that scene is going on, she's legitimately getting raped by a guy who's running the theater. Like there's a lot in this movie. None of it is shown to be sexy, which I appreciate. Um, it's all shown to be pretty horrible and it takes, it has a pretty big stand on it. I mean, obviously the, the stand is rape is wrong. But look at the fucking hypocrites involved in it. It's more so the absurdity of him saying, like when the director is directing the rape scene, he's like, you're being tortured or whatever by these men, and it's going to be the most sensual thing captured on film. And it's like, what? What? (laughs) There is no sensualness about rape. It's like... And she definitely was not enjoying it. She oh, God, hated no. it. She yeah. ended up crying, and then she got really drunk when she saw it on film. Yeah. So it's just like the divide. It's very commentary on like how some men think it's just luscious and whatever. It luscious, also, whatever word it is, but it it also took some big terrible. stabs at the men <clears throat> in her life who would profess to be allies, to use a, a term like it when she's getting raped at the projectionist booth what are the guys doing they're just oblivious and wandering around and when they're there they they don't really help like but they are looking for it and they are the ones who stop her so i I wouldn't take i wouldn't take shots at them so much as like the the guy who's sitting in the car next to them when the rape scene comes on and he's just like this is awful and his wife is like what does she say like disgusting or nasty or wrong or something like that it's sick sick that's right and she says the same thing every time and he's like this is just wrong sick i can't believe they do this sick And then when he leaves to go demand his money back from the projectionist and sees the projectionist raping her, he's like, what? Well, I guess I might as well join in. Yeah. That was more of the, like, what a fucking hypocrite fucking dudes can be. Like, Yeah. Because the guys in the car, I mean, they weren't doing anything wrong at all. No, they got worried. No, no. And and they did. They they went to look for it and they helped. But it, it was it struck me as interesting that they just it kind of pokes like at least in the read of it this is i'm projecting a lot of today onto it but like just you don't always notice what's going on and i don't know like that that delay that not being there sort of thing i don't know there was a i think the the bigger problem is that they know she's incredibly emotional and very inebriated and she leaves like yeah she'll be fine that was more of the problem yeah i guess that's problematic but i'm also on the 
Dudes don't always need to follow. No, but there, I, I can see where John's coming from. I, I'm not sure if that... My problem with the scene... Not that I have a problem with the scene. My problem, The problem in the scene is more the dude from the car over who just hops in because she happens yeah. to be getting attacked. Oh, yeah, that's the... That's, commentary and that's yeah, terrible that's the, that's the problem yeah um, and then even on even on the set where they're like okay you guys can stop now you know we cut we cut guys that kind of like oh well, the, we're just waiting here to do something what should we do i don't know like it's bad stop it like they eventually do it but i don't know like that, that delay that that stood out to me for some like somehow and then and the, there's probably some projection the doctor, that, or that, but, the doctor the the actor who played him paul uh Bartel, I think is how you say his last name. He's been around for fucking years. He nails that sleazeball director in that scene and throughout the whole movie. But he's just perfect at it. Just this he guy. Is. Like I, I've worked with these guys before. Uh, like these just directors who just don't give a fuck. No. And they just keep saying like, "No, I'm making the highest art in the world. You just got to see it." Because they really the best. think that at the time. Uh. One of the things I do want to talk about in this movie is the constant collaboration that uh, Joe Dante has a lot with uh, Dick Miller. Uh, we mentioned Dick Miller way back in our Tales from the Crypt episode um, because he had just one of the most awkward scenes ever in a movie in that one. But Dick Miller shows up in a lot of Joe Dante stuff. He's in Gremlins, Gremlins 2, the the short I mentioned here, this one, uh, and just more than that. But those are the only ones coming off the top of my head right now. Um when he popped up in this movie, I had just a sheer joyous moment of like, oh, I love it when Dick Miller shows up. Yeah, it's, it's that guy. Like, I was like, oh, him. <laughs> First it was, oh, Joe Dante, that guy. And then <laughs> Dick Miller, I was like, oh, that guy. And I realized I was going to have a whole movie with him. It was quite a joy. Yeah, I thought he was going to be kind of a cameo. Because, like, Joe Dante cameos, uh, Roger Corman cameos. Like, people cameo throughout the whole movie. But he's a legit character. What I like about what John just said is I'm looking at the Wikipedia and in 2014 they made a documentary called That Guy, Dick Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. He played himself. It was a <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, he had an amazing career. He yeah. just passed away, I think, last year at some yeah. point. Like, early last year. Yeah. Um, amazing career that guy had. And he's always good. Like, that... He was he's never the world's greatest actor, but he was always good and entertaining and it's just kind of like he made every movie just a little bit better. And this movie's one of those cuz like the the rest of the cast with the the exception of Paul Bartel uh Bartel, I can never never know if I'm saying his name right. Everybody else are kind of B movie people. Like they're people like the the lead of the movie uh what's her name? Candace Raslin, I can never pronounce her last name. Um Raslin R-I-A-S. Railson, that could be right. Um, huge B-movie actress. Huge. Like a queen of the, the genre. So much so that legit films were worried about casting her because they thought they'd like lower the brand of the movie because she's a B-movie actor. Um, but I always thought she was good. Like the, This was, the I think, the only thing I really know her from um, beyond a few bit parts here and there. But I was always aware of her. Like I knew the character that Bridget Fonda played in um, Jackie Brown was based on on her like i knew these things so i at least knew who she was because people liked that she was this girl who seemed like a real human being and kind of had this like i don't want to say spunky attitude but this like relatable attitude like not quite girl next door but like the girl that you're you just kind of root for and she brought that to from what i understand every role she ever played like i said i don't know a ton of her work but i think she was great for this i thought she sold it really well just the kind of ditzy but not really ditzy yeah. you know the 
Just a starstruck, I'm gonna make it, girl. I'll take all the advice people give me. I'll be super trusting. The super trusting, specifically, not not to cut off John's reaction to her, but it's because a scene we didn't really talk about that much. That super trusting just got off the boat to Hollywood <laughs> thing, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm looking for a job in this uh, in this trade here." And this guy's like, "Oh, I'm a producer. Do, yeah. Do, do you want to come? Uh, you want to come be in my movie?" And me knowing these sorts of movies, I'm oh god, she's gonna get a. I thought this was supposed to be funny. Like, what is happening? And oh god, she's doing a bank robbery. Right. <laughs> yeah, just wear this mask. The cameras are hidden. Yeah, the cameras are hidden. What <laughs> just, kind yeah, of yeah, movie it, it, is this? I love it when the dude, the cop comes running out of the bank, <laughs> and the dude just fucking shoots him in the chest. She's like, "Huh? What kind of movie is this?" Right. First off, just you'd the be first ruining take? a take. If this was a movie, you just ruined the movie. <laughs> Secondly, clearly not a movie. <laughs> and not only she's that, only like she's a good drive, like she's a good stunt driver, like this kind of naivety like her driving like it turns out to be something like she's actually good at it i thought it was really kind of cool yeah honey she was in one of your favorite movies is that what i know her from logan's run oh that's definitely what i know first she... screamer in logan's apartment oh, <laughs> first screamer? oh that character yeah. that character yeah. uncredited oh then that's definitely not, not what i know her from <laughs> who's that screamer oh i love her she's my favorite um <laughs> What was there something that you wanted to bring up, John? Well, I mean, I know we were talking a little bit about Dick Miller, but just the that producer role, like PG. that character, yeah, PG was great. I don't know, it was, I just wasn't expecting it to be that funny. But at every turn, where he's like, "Oh, I, sh- I, could, I, you know, I represented them at one time," and it was like an elephant, or <laughs> like the. Like, like, bird or like it was some random thing that he represented i thought that was really great i just i liked how much of a scumbag he was willing to be at all times oh yeah like the like specifically in the scene where they're talking about his next film it's gonna be this biggest film ever it's gonna be the best film ever he's talking to the writer about it and uh he's going this whole thing about like it's gonna be the 50s but do people really want to see the 50s he's like yeah you know it's it's in right now it's only 20 years ago so people are kind of into it yeah, but what if we do something different? Like, it'll still be the 50s, but what if it's 2050? And it's like, that's not the 50s anymore, you fucking asshole. <laughs> My favorite part with him was when the one girl wanted to quit the movie. And then he just sits her down and he's like, Honey! I took out another mortgage for this. I spent all my money. And if we don't make this movie, it's not only that I'll be... Uh, broke, I'll be in jail. You gaslighting son of a bitch. Yeah, and I'm like... <laughs> oh, man. The lady, don't believe any of this shit. He's a producer. He makes a movie a week. Oh, come on. Is he taking that much money out for every one of these things? Nah. Nope. He is filling you with shit. He just but I guess he's it... a good producer, then. He's a good producer. He got her back in the movie. <laughs> he did. She got back into it. And then she got murdered. Yeah. Bad so it's producer. actually really his fault. <laughs> So what do you guys think about the ending? Like, as I watched it, I was kind of annoyed. But I have same... no idea what the whole point with that shed thing was with her boyfriend. I don't get it. Like, when he shows up, like, I guess you are next. And then he chases her. Like and, then what? He, and then he gives up on the chase? Yep. And then we find well, out I the thought star was, was the murder. That he, I thought he was trying to figure out who was killing everybody. And he pinned her as, like, the last victim or something. But she misread but it. That was obvious. And why would he keep that in a locked shed? Like, yeah. it's just... 
Yeah, no, I guess that part didn't make sense. Your your reasoning makes a lot more sense than what's happening in my head because my head was like, oh, I guess he's the killer, but like, what's the fuck is what? Because it seems and then very even much at the like end a... of the movie. Yeah. When she's talking to the, when she's at the Hollywood party, and she's like, "Oh, and then the writer he had this shed, but, but we don't want to go into that." I'm like, y- "Yes, we do want to go yeah. into that." What the <laughs> fuck was going on with that? <laughs> yes, we do. We want to find out. <laughs> I was kind of like, I wonder if it's his masturbation shed. Oh yeah, everyone's got to have a good wink shed. Oh, wink shed. <laughs> Let's get rid of lady. I mean, that's one of the joys of owning lady sheds. Or a home wink sheds. Wink sheds. They're for everybody. Yeah, everyone have a good wink. <laughs> You can get them pretty just, cheap at Lowe's. Just bring your Swiffer. <laughs> I, I mean, you got those like easy to install. God. Oof. Yeah, no, I agree. It was confusing that whole scene, but that's what I was reading. That's what I read into it, at least. But the thing is, is like. It was confusing, but at the same time, it's a B movie. Like, like that's kind of why I said that in the breakdown. Like, it's a B movie. It's not really clear, but who cares? And it's a movie made out of short ends, yeah, ten days, <laughs> and clips from other movies. <laughs> it's like you get what you get. I actually think this movie paired with like The Fall would actually be interesting <clears throat> to me. Why the fall? Because the, the Tarzem, the fall. Yes, because that movie was basically written off of the ramblings of a four-year-old girl. It shows. And <laughs> this locations they wanted to go to. There was no yeah. real script to that movie. It shows. I love that movie. It shows. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know that they were do- like I didn't know this about the movie when I went to watch it. I found this out after that they just put other movies in there. Which is why it was weird until I kind of cued in, and I think for me it was when they got into the deep into the shooting of the Machete Maidens of Moratau, oh, and they yeah. had the, they were just shooting their machine guns, and then it cut to like all this footage of explosions and soldiers being shot down. And I was like, "What is going on? This is a different <gasps> movie. Like <laughs> the cinematography was completely lot different." Of extras. Oh, there's so many extras. And like that's like the because when it cuts to anybody from this movie, it's like a woman in like uh, with very large breasts. In a shirt that's barely holding them together, mm-hmm. shooting the most ridiculous gun, and like totally surrounded by absolutely no one. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to like just like firing wildly, and then it cuts to like thirty thousand people being shot that at. She's shooting. <laughs> that she is currently murdering. It's yeah. Like, what oh, is the happening? best one. You know, the, the best 70s one of those did not believe in bras. Oh, no, apparently. I mean, it wasn't in Star Wars. It wasn't in this movie. Well, that's because nobody wears bras in space. Yeah. That's George Lucas' rule. in the 70s, that's what they thought future was going to be, too. No bras now and no bras then, or whatever. The future is now! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in that whole scene, I think the best one of those is where the the one who turns out to be the murderer, she's up on the top of a hill somewhere, and she's just shooting up in the air. Oh, yeah. And then guys, like, to her left and right are dying. (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) And then one girl tosses the other, uh, uh, tosses Candace the um, or Candy the another gun because she runs out of bullets, and just it's so elaborate and over exaggerated. It's great. Oh, yeah, and it's not just like a gun. It's like a full blown like Tommy gun with like the full round like yeah. magazine. It's like what the fuck? Well, you get the optimal jiggle. I mean, that's that's very true. There's a lot of jiggle, a lot of jiggle, and a lot of me just going. I don't know what it's like to have boobs, at least of that size. Um, that looks really uncomfortable. 
Oh yeah, you feel it. Like I felt pain in my chest watching these poor. And women. then your back. And that your, makes sense. And your neck, because those things. I don't even have very big boobs, but you can tell it pulls at you. The entire area behind mm-hmm. and above your boobs, it pulls. I mean, I listened to the uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend song about it. I, I feel like I know more about boobs after listening to that song than ever before. And it just made me go like, oh, that makes me feel a little bad. Yeah, that's why whenever they do show like Amazon women, even in like The Witcher, in that forest thing. Oh, right. All of their boobs look like they're being pushed down pretty hard by their clothing. You know. That yeah, I mean, makes sense. <laughs> Strap those things down. They're Keep a liability. Them together. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brokalon I... babes of The Witcher. <laughs> and I'm digging that show. I need to finish it. I really like it. We will. Uh, I think we've said enough. I, I think we should move into our, our favorite, funniest moment of the movie. Um, and hopefully we don't all have the same one. I don't think we will. If we do, okay. so be it. Uh, but John, you actually wrote yours down in our show notes for the day. So why don't you go first? Okay, let's see. So for me, the the favorite moment, as someone who lives in Los Angeles and has driven down all these freeways, is the montage where they're trying to go to the quote-unquote premiere of the Machete Maidens of the Marotau. And it's just this in- incoherent look at all the freeways we have <laughs> the, the, the 101 the 405 like all of them and they're just like back and forth and the, even some of the footage repeats oh yeah and just the frenzy of it the incoherent frenzy but recognizing each one of those shots was just a real delight for me but it was also nice because it works for people who don't who don't live here like that's how they see our weird trafficy thing I live here, and that's how I see our weird trafficy thing. They're all the same stops. There's road signs still. They yeah, all that was the same. Yeah. when Chu and I were watching. It's like it's weird how much this doesn't look different than now. Yeah, right. Like the exit on the five off the exit off the. The graffiti changed a little bit. Yeah, the graffiti's updated. Um, but the exit, I think it's off the one ten. No, uh... it's the one ten to the five. Yeah, the one ten to the five. Yeah. That exit looks the exact same. It still has the same construction, which makes me feel really, really sure that it's going to be done sometime soon. Yeah, totally. In, in the next in the next year or two or three. Soon. Or 50. This movie's almost 50 years old. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, it's never getting fixed. Uh, so I guess my, my funniest moment, I, I'm between a couple, but... I think it's got to be the bank robbery. The whole bank robbery sequence just kind of made me chuckle the whole way through it. Of just like, just because she's just so willing to go along with it up until the very end, like up until the other dude shoots at the other guy. She's like, Oh, this is a bad situation. It takes her so long to catch on. And by the time she catches on, the robber's kind of into her. Oh, wow. You're really good at this. You might have a future. And then she runs away. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just kind of like that whole sequence. I thought it was funny. It's a really great twist on the uh, the girl getting taken advantage when she arrives in L.A. Because usually that's a very dark, gritty, gross story that people try to tell there. This one's like, they used her as a getaway driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the music is great for all these oh, yeah. serious chase scenes. It's just like this great music. But the shootout with the one guy who escapes with the money, just everyone fires their guns. Like that whole sequence is just a delight. Like, yeah. It's fantastic. It, uh, I liked afterwards it all happened and she goes back to her agent's office and he's like, all right. And that's where you learned. <laughs> you learned a line? lesson. You <laughs> learned a lesson. 
and she first says, don't trust anybody. Yeah, don't and trust- he's like, no, don't take a job without talking to your agent. <laughs> and I'm like, that's actually true and hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it worked. <laughs> Oh, oh, was that your favorite moment? Was that your funny moment then? That was my favorite funny moment, yeah. Oh. Uh, so our review system for today is going to be uh, B-movies. Any sort of B-movie. And I'll take your, your own qualification as a B-movie. Like something you consider a B-movie. I'll, I'll accept that answer. Uh, let's see. Tro- I'll go with uh, Troll 2. Okay. That originates a line, Oh my god. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go for one that I, I actually, I don't mean this to be more of a compliment on the movie than I mean it to be, but I got to go with Attack on the Killer Tomatoes um, just because it's that other movie that everyone has kind of heard of and maybe seen, maybe not, but you're still aware of it. You at least are aware of it. You hear the name. You're like, oh yeah, I know. That. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> like at least you have that click in your head. Um, but it's a movie that like, when you go back to it, it's like, I guess it's kind of funny. It's also just kind of there. And this movie kind of has the same thing. I enjoyed it. I really liked watching it. Will I go back to it? I don't know. This is kind of, yeah, no, it's I'm a glad great, to have seen it. I'm really happy to see it knowing Joe Dante as well as I do with his later career, going back to the original and seeing like how strong of a voice he had right out of the gate. But I don't go back to much more than that. I'm going to go with not necessarily a B movie, but definitely a movie that's doing a similar thing. Okay. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, uh, yeah. Still a very good movie that is making fun of and making commentary on the genre that it's from, which that one is more slashers and horror films. Yeah. They mix a whole bunch in there. It's not just slashers. It's they got the Cenobites. They got monsters. They got Unicorns. zombies. They got, yeah. And oh, it's such a good movie. It is a really good movie. Sigourney Weavers. Yeah, yeah, Sigourney Weavers. Um, uh, and it had a pretty satisfying, but also tad confusing ending. Not confusing at all. That, no, that was everyone. Not conf- that's true. Everyone just dies. Dies. Every everyone. But the part when they're <laughs> all celebrating everyone. things and the girl is just getting beaten up by the zombie. I don't remember which one it was on the pier where she's just getting. Oh, that's shit. part of the crazy, creepy family. Yeah, where yeah. she's just getting the yeah. shit kicked out of her in the background, and they're all celebrating and yep. cheering. That kind of felt like a Joe Dante moment. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I feel like we never mentioned his name, and uh, that's not fair to him at all, so I apologize. If you've listened to this episode and you're a fan of the movie the whole time, you're like, you haven't mentioned Alan Arkush at all. And you're right. We didn't. So he was also the co-director in this movie. Deserves a lot of the credit for all the things that we just said uh, and the things that we loved about it and the things that we were okay about it. He also had a hand in. So sorry, Alan, that we didn't Thank mention you. Thank you, throughout. Alan. Thank you. Uh, that's it, right? We've done it? We did it. We did it? We made it, I think. Oh, I, I think forgot. The, no, I'm not going to. I'm fucking. I didn't say, do you recommend? But I think we all recommended it. Yeah. You kind of said it in our review yeah, system. Yeah, it's recommended. So, yeah, it's recommended. Yeah. Uh, so coming up throughout the rest of Joe Dante Month, uh, we have guaranteed full episodes on the following. There it is. Next week, Gremlins 2, the new batch, followed by Matinee. And finishing up with Burying the X. If you have not watched Gremlins 1 in a while, I would highly recommend a rewatch before diving into Gremlins 2 because there are a lot of jokes at Gremlins 1 expense that will kind of go over your head if you haven't seen it uh, recently. Okay. Uh, 
that's it. So that's what we're watching this month, Gremlins 2, Matinee, and Burying the X. Uh, we will also try to do mini-reviews like I did with the uh, the short film of any of the following. I'm not sure, so no promises, but we'll try to of Small Soldiers, anything The Twilight Zone, Amazon Warrior of the Moon, which we've already kind of done a little bit, uh, Trapped Ashes, Nightmare Cinema, we might do The Howling, or any of his single episodes of uh, Police Squad, Twilight Zone, Eerie Indiana, the Warlord, Battle of the Galaxy, everyone's favorite, Hawaii Five-0, the current edition, and Legends of Tomorrow, I'm sure either Chewie and I will review at some point, because Yay. Joe Dante did a Legends episode, which yeah. is awesome. I'm uh, insanely curious about that one, having seen the uh, whole crisis thing myself. Yeah, the Joe Dante episode's a good one. I, I would highly recommend it. It's a good one. Um, so yeah, lots of Joe Dante coming up this month. I'm very excited for it. I hope you are too. Uh, thank you for listening. We're going to do a very, very short round of plugs. I promise it won't take that long. Uh, listen to Venture Bros. Every Monday, uh, we are finishing up Season 7, and then we're moving on to a new show. And I won't say what that is yet, because I haven't fully decided. I'm between two. Between two. But it's going to be good. But definitely not between two ferns. That's no. somebody else's. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is between no. two ferns. No. No, I could be doing a podcast on between two ferns. Between the kind of, two betweens? Is it too meta? It's a little... I don't know. You do have a beard that has red in it. I'm basically Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> You're the same person. I'm the same person. I'm him and Seth Rogen. Yes! And every other you slight... You are their baby! <laughs> I'm every other slightly overweight bearded comedian. <laughs> I'm all of them. Yeah. Uh, Zach Galifianakis. their money? <laughs> nice. I just want... Like, all of their money. Yeah, yeah, me too. You just start um, getting their residual checks? Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, like, yeah, you're totally them, right? Yeah, I'm all of them. And then just uh, a few more plugs really quick. Uh, be sure to check out ATHpod.com to see the awesome Doctor Who article uh, written by Matt Dykes. Uh, it's coming up soon, I think. You'd have to ask him. Uh, be sure to ask him. Message yeah. Matt Dykes about his Doctor Who article. Uh, just to see how it's coming along. Um... Just he text him or like message him saying like, "Are you my mummy? Are you my mummy?" Yeah, it just just over and over again. Constantly hammer Matt Dykes about the Doctor Who article that he is definitely writing. Um, that's it for books <laughs> for me, John. What are you plugging? Uh, yeah, uh, Demon Days is back, and by the time you hear this, it'll be back again and ready to go. And Chewy, Superstore, yeah, watch Superstore. It premiered for the new season last Thursday. Or two Thursdays now. That's it. Uh, I will say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Trucking, trucking, fucking, fucking. Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Almost got through the whole episode without mentioning that fucking.